Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Good morning, everybody. Really thankful to have all of you here, and uh, I, uh, I'm going to give a quick Neighborhood Clifton thing, and then I'll move on to the sermon, but Neighborhood Clifton's next Sunday, and if you're sitting here thinking, I still don't know what I'm doing, well, tonight and tomorrow are me, I'm going to give all the project leaders their list of names of who's in their project, and they're going to call you, and they're going to say, hey, my no- name is Billy Burke, or my name is, uh, you know, so on and so forth, you're with me, you're doing brush, I'm John Teeley, you're doing brush hauling with me, and uh, bring, this is what you should wear, bring some gloves, bring a truck, bring a trailer, and, and they'll tell you what you need to know, okay? And I, uh, that's, that's really the main thing, and um, so be prepared, we'll, we'll be out there at, uh, be there at least by 8.30, and then uh, we'll roll out to our different jobs at 9 a.m. And if any of you are just dying to know what you're going to do, then uh, you can text me and I can tell you what your job will be. And then when your project leader calls, you'll say, oh, I know already, and they'll be, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so uh, our sermon today, uh, we're continuing on our series on prayer. I'm very excited about this sermon because... I think it's something that many of you probably haven't thought about, but it may may be a real blessing to your life. I think it will be. I want you to think for a second and honestly ask yourself the question, how many of you feel like you can sit still for a long time without going stir crazy? Okay, let's just say, you know how there's TV shows? They would never do this, but like there's TV shows where they put somebody out in the wilderness and like whoever can stay out there the longest wins like a lot of money, maybe a million dollars or something. What if there was a TV show that was you have to sit in this square and the person who stays in there the longest would win a million dollars? That would be a boring television show, but I wonder, I wonder who could win. What would the winning times be? Because obviously, like, let's say you can't even eat or anything, but you have to just stay still. Then, you know, that would be unsafe. You know, you'd have some people passing out and stuff. But um, anyway, next question. How many of you feel like you can go a really long time without saying anything? I'd lose that game, you know. So how many of you feel like if there was a game of we're going to sit here and the television show is the winner is the person who can go the longest without speaking? That one, that one could last a really long time because you can still eat and you can still move around. Okay. So our world and our lives today, I think you would all agree with me, have progressively gotten busier and louder every year, you know, for a really long time. Let me, let me give you some fun stats that I think you would like. In 1370 was the first time anyone ever put up a public clock. Before that, everyone, when did they wake up? When the sun came up. When did they go to bed? When the sun went to bed. But I mean, maybe you had some wealthier people that had candles. But for the most part, if you were an average person, you couldn't really afford to just burn candles all night. So when the sun went down, you went to bed. There's a lot of times you'll read like biographies of, of people, or I'll read biographies of people, you might. Um, and, and it always talks about how this person, you know, Abraham Lincoln, he woke up at 4 a.m. and did this and that. And I just think, man, I wish I was like that. Well, he was going to bed at 7 p.m. probably. You know what I mean? So you're still getting a lot of sleep. In 1879, the light bulb was invented. And before that, the average person slept 11 hours a day before the light bulb was invented. 
Lots of people have theorized in history that as the world advanced, as that technology advanced, people would become lazier. But really, it has actually made us all more impatient and in a bigger rush to get more things done. Back in the day, if you wanted to have a warm house, if you wanted your house to be warm, you would have to go outside and chop wood. And then you'd have to get a mule or something or single-handedly carry all that back into your house. And then after that, you would have to start a fire. And then after you started the fire, you'd have to continually feed the fire to warm your house. If I want this room to get a lot hotter, I have to walk right over there and push a button about ten times. Does that make sense? Everyone thought, well, man, we're going to become such lazy people. And some of you may think we are lazier people. But I would argue that if you look at it, we have become people that are so much more in a rush to be, get so much more done because technology has allowed us to do that. Where there was a time, maybe, maybe a couple generations ago, where it was a perfectly fine day to wake up, work in your field, work at your store, go to lunch, have lunch. Come back, work some more, go to bed. And that was a very productive day. But now it's, well, I also have to make sure that I'm all these other things that we've got to be proficient at. Harvard Business uh, Review recently conducted a study on the change of social status in America. It used to be that if you were wealthy, the sign of your wealth was leisure. People with lots of money would be advertised as people who sat by the pool with a uh, sweet tea, or they would go to the golf club and sit around just chatting with their buddies. But that's changed. Now, busyness is a sign of wealth. You see the cultural shift. It's less of, oh, look at how wealthy I am. I'm so relaxed. And now commercials with Rolexes and Maseratis are people that are in high-rise penthouse offices in downtown New York and L.A. And if you're really wealthy, if you're really successful, then look, you're doing a lot. You're very busy and you're very effective at being, at being what you do. If it's not, well, I like to relax. It's how many countries can I travel to? Does that, you following me? Okay. Just look at how our weekends look. Sundays used to be a time where most stores were closed. Sundays used to be a time where most people just stayed at their house full of delicious roast and just laid around and watched football. I'm just kidding. Or golf. And now, Sundays for some people, Sundays may be the busiest day of their week. Going from this practice, to this select baseball game, to this meeting, to this and that, and so on and so forth. A recent study, now let me, let me get you with this. A recent study found that the average iPhone user, if we think our technology is making us less busy, the average iPhone user uses his or her phone, touches it 2,617 times a day. And it's double that for people that are teens and younger. And so we have a society, a culture, where there was a time, I don't know if you ever remember these days, when I was a kid, where I used to say to my mom, Mom, I'm bored. And that, and obviously she would say, if you're bored, I'll give you something to work, you know. But now, our whole society is set up in such a way where you should never have to worry about being bored ever again. Because the second you start to feel bored, the second you start to feel like you don't have anything to, to fill yourself with noise, you've got a lot of great resources that you can pull out and sit down and look through. And you're never bored again. You can play a game, you can scroll through social media, you're not bored anymore. And so... This is the question that I think is very important for us to ask. What does the constant noise, like the second I get in my car, I'm guilty, I'll start a podcast. 
I'll start an audiobook. What is the constant noise and what does the constant motion in our life, what is it doing to our souls? That is a very important question. And so, we can't, with that, I want you to think about this component of prayer that I would like to talk about today, which is the idea of praying. It, it comes, it has different names. People call it different things. Some people call it contemplative prayer. Some people call it stillness or silence. But we are going to be talking today about contemplative prayer and silence. And I want, you, I want you to consider this for a second. How many of you have ever said before, well, you know, prayer is like a conversation with God. Anybody ever said that? You know, prayer is a conversation with God. Now, I want you to think, when you go to God as a good father, as our redeemer, sustainer, to have a conversation, we want to have this talk. We want to talk to him about our thanksgivings, our griefs, our pains. Now, I want you to picture you have a conversation with one of your friends. Okay? Let's say you have a friend that you invite to go get lunch with you, or meet you for breakfast, or coffee, or just to, to talk. You get there... And you sit down, and for the next 30 minutes, you speak the entire time. They don't say a single thing. And then you leave. Was that a conversation? So, I always think, it's funny when we use the phrase, well, you know, prayer is like a conversation with God. But the problem is, I do all the talking. <laughs> Does that make sense? That's not a conversation, that's a speech. And so, I know you're probably thinking, like, what on earth, like... How is, how is that supposed to work? Let's talk about that a little bit today. I, I don't want you to hear me say this. This is something I think is very important. I don't want you to hear me say, take the way that you pray, throw it in the trash, and start praying like this, where you sit in silence. What I am trying to tell you to do is, you have your prayer life, and I would really like you to add a component, a tool to your tool belt of prayer, which is the ability to sit and be still and be in silence with God. Once Dan Rather interviewed Mother Teresa, and he started to ask her about her prayer life. He asked her, when you pray, what do you say to God? And she replied, I don't say anything. I listen. He said, okay. I'm guessing he didn't see that coming. And said, okay. When God speaks to you, what does he say? And she replied, he doesn't say anything. He listens. And then she added, and if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. I don't quite understand that, but I'm going to take a shot at trying to explain maybe what she's talking about. So if you're at all like, I don't know if I'm going to get anything out of this sermon, I'm going to give you some Jesus examples to show you that even Jesus practiced silence and contemplation when he prayed with God. If you want to go to your Bibles, you don't have to. This, we're going to do some short reading. Um, we're going to read from Luke 4, Luke 5, and Luke 6. Just a verse in each one. In Luke 4, verse 42, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him to get stuff done. And when they came to where he was, he tried, they tried to keep him from leaving. Jesus went off to a solitary place. Luke 5, 16, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. I want you to imagine if I said, I sent an email out, hey Melissa, can you send this email for me? On May 5th, we're going to, if anybody wants to join me, we're going to go to the church and we're going to spend the night praying. Many people would be like, have mercy, I don't know if we can do that. Okay? 
So here's the question that I think all of you should be asking. What do you think Jesus was doing during all these times? What was he doing all night? Was he sitting there going, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then as soon as he finished, he'd start again. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do you think that he was... Do you think that he was just chatting, you know, just all night? Like, yeah, God, on Tuesday, you know, Mary, she got some, you know, a new goat, and so we took care of that, and we, maybe, maybe he is, okay? But I wish, I wish we were in class so I could ask y'all what y'all think he was doing this whole time, because this is what I think is a key to understanding this passage, that prayer... And what Jesus was doing, I believe, is that he just went to be with God. To be with God. Similar to how Adam and God were in the garden together. I want you to think of those people again that you talked about going to get breakfast with. or Let's, let's think about some of your closest friends. If you were on a road trip with your closest friend or your loved ones, and you go hours without talking, it isn't because you're upset at each other. Maybe. Maybe you did uh, say something. But if you're in the car for a long time, say it's a six-hour road trip, and for four of those hours it's just silence, is it because you're upset, or is there a good chance it's that you are just content being with that person because you love that person so much? I'll use, uh, let's see, where's Joe? Joe Bates is right there. Uh, one of my, a good example of this, I remember the first time Joe took me fishing, and I remember we were out on the lake, and I remembered just how silent it was. And I know Joe's not a chatter like me, and I remember thinking, you know, this is kind of nice. I'm not talking, and he's not talking, and it's not a problem for either of us. You know, there's a lot of times where if two people were in a room together, and they were just sitting there silently, you would be really uncomfortable if it was a random person. I, I would be. Some of you are like, I'm not uncomfortable. I'm the type of person that's like, sits down on the ski lift or on the airplane, like, so where are you from? You know, that's me, okay? Um, that's the kind of person I am. I don't just sit silently, but with someone that I care about, with someone that I love, I have the ability to go, you know what, we're just sitting here and we're doing good. It's nice. It's okay that we're not talking. It's because we know we don't have to fill this space because we're, we're fine together. Um, whenever people make romantic movies, they never make a movie about old couples who love to just sit on the porch together. And by old, remember, I mean 120 years old, okay? <laughs> they never make those kind of movies because no one, no one would buy a ticket to that movie. But we buy movies where we see love, where there's, oh, I'm angry, I'm happy, we're, we're back together, oh, highs and lows. But we don't see the, these two people just are sitting at the kitchen table having breakfast together, not saying a word. But we know that there's real love there in the silence. I want you to think, and I'm, I'm going to take this a, a little more serious. I was thinking about this this week. If I told you that someone who you love who has passed away if I told you that I could give you a chance to have 30 minutes sitting by a lake with them, but you couldn't say anything, you just had to sit there. You couldn't talk, but you got to sit together, maybe by a beautiful lake, nice and cool. How many of you would say, oh, we can't talk? No, that's not worth it. I wouldn't want that. Because you know what passes between two people when you're together, quietly. It would not be a waste of time. And here's some words that I think that you might be able to imagine. This is something that I think Jesus, when he would go to these solitary places all night and just be with God, I think he might have thought this. I come to the garden alone. 
and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we just tarry there, none other has ever known. To just be able to sit with God in silence is not a, well, that sounds like a big waste of time, unless you think that sitting with a loved one for a long time is just a big waste of time. You with me? Okay. So, now I'm going to look at this from another perspective that I really like. Um, Oh, oh man, I should have gone there. Okay, another perspective. Habakkuk 2. We could have sang this today if I had warned you. Do do you all know the song? Um, The Lord is on His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. Habakkuk 2.20. So let's read this together. And I've highlighted some important parts. Of what value, this is Habakkuk talking, of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? Is it covered with gold and silver? There is no breath in it. The Lord, on the other hand, is on his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And so we see this awesome, it's an awesome compare and contrast. Why should we be silent before God? Why should I spend time every morning, say I start a timer for 10 minutes and just sit there in silence? Why should I do that? Because we trust that our God can actually speak to us. You see this kind of dichotomy with this Habakkuk passage where he says he's mocking these people who make these idols because he says you go to this idol every day and you say please wake up and bring rain please wake up and help my business help my marriage help my how foolish does he see that as because he's look you're looking at an image that you carved yourself like if I if I took a chunk of wood and carved it up to look like some kind of image and then I prayed to it he's like how embarrassing is that You speak to it and beg for it to speak to you. But it's never going to. It's dead. It has no life. It has no breath. But, on the other hand, our God can speak. He does speak. He has life. He is awake. He gives guidance. He has breath. He is on His holy throne. So, be quiet and listen. If you actually believe that God is alive, and you actually believe that God is still at work, and can actually speak, then you should do a whole lot more sitting and trying and hoping to be able to hear something from him. I think of, uh, I'm, I'm going to preach this sermon someday, so, uh, and I'll probably read it as my, my benediction, but whenever, it's Elijah, I believe, when Elijah goes to the mountain and he's asking God to pass in front of him, he's not in the storm, he's not in the loud noises, but he's in the still, small voice. And if we're not quiet enough to listen, we won't hear him. If we're not still enough and slow down to be still and know that I am God, we're going to miss it. I've had some opportunities um, to be around people that I consider to be a big deal. Um, There was actually one of the guys I quote a lot. He came to Pepperdine Lectures, and I got a chance to meet him. And I remember I, I tried to ask him some questions, like do some small talk. And I remember walking away and just thinking, Drew, you idiot. You should have just said nothing. You're around this like super famous guy, a big deal who you respect, and you're just talking away. 
And you should have just been quiet. I remember Catherine and I went on a marriage retreat with some couples, and one of the guys on the retreat is a preacher that I think the world of. And I remember you could like schedule times to talk with them. And I told Catherine, I said, I'm not wasting this. When we get there, I'm gonna have like I'm gonna write out some things, questions, but I'm not saying anything. I want us to ask them questions so that for those 30 minutes, I do this much talking and he does a lot of talking. Does that make sense? When you go to prayer, you are in the presence of God, and yet we often think the only way to pray is for me to do all the talking. Doesn't that seem ludicrous? Now, I get it. I hear what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Drew, I've gone to prayer a lot, and I never have heard God talk to me. Have you ever stopped to listen? Because that I know the answer to. I've done a lot of praying, and I've never heard God speak to me. But before I started doing this, I know I wasn't giving him a shot. I wasn't giving him a chance to speak. Why don't I just listen? Another thing, a point that I want to make, and then I'll wrap up. Something that I, I called my mentor, who's big on this, and I told him I was doing this sermon. I said, do you have any... He, he, he helped lead me to some of these things, but I said, is there anything else that you think is important for me to say? And he said this, so I made it one of my points. Being in the presence of God is greater than getting all your questions answered. If your job in prayer is to try and get all your questions answered, that's a good thing. That's okay. But it's not more important than just being with God. So let's go back to that analogy I said about the, if you had a chance with someone that has passed away to have 30 minutes by a lake. Do you think there is probably part of you that would love to have some unanswered questions answered? You'd love to have some closure to talk about some things. But if I told you, well, you can have closure to those answers, but you don't get the 30 minutes of getting to be with them, which would you rather have? Would you rather get the chance to have 30 minutes with them and no answers, questions answered, or would you rather have all your answers you want, but you don't get the 30 minutes with them? I know the answer I would pick. I would rather be with God than get all the answers. Just ask Job whenever he gets God's presence. He doesn't get answers, but he gets God, and that's enough. So to summarize, if, you, if we believe God is real, if we believe He is alive, if we believe that in our closest relation, if we believe that in our closest relationships, we want to be around those people, to be near them, then usually one of the greatest signs of our closeness with our loved ones is our ability to be totally silent around them and around each other to be content. If all that is true, try to add silence with God into your prayer life. Don't expect a magical experience. Don't send me an email that's, Drew, I set a timer for 30 minutes and nothing happened. Don't do that. Because then what you're doing, you're not coming to be with God. You're coming with expectations. Think of my fishing example with Joe. If I am just silent, then I have no expectations. But if I'm sitting there going like, come on, Joe, I'm waiting for you to talk, then I came with expectations. But to come not expecting some mystical, transcendent experience, no expectations. I'm going to just be with God. I'm going to give the time to be still in a world full of noise and full of action. I'm going to be still and be with God. Don't be sad if you don't feel anything. If you do, you're coming in with those expectations. And here's something that I feel really good about, though. If over years and years and years of sitting with God, you may not have ever one time that you ever think God ever says anything to you. I just said ever three times. You may not feel that way, but I do believe transformation will take place in your life over that period of time. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, and you need to abide in me. Be with me. 
be with God in prayer. If any of you have any prayer requests, anything that you'd like us to pray about, we're going to have elders that are going to be standing at the doors that would love to pray with you. And uh, if any of you have any more questions about what exactly does it look like to have silent prayer, I'd love to talk with you more this week as we stand and sing this song.